Well, say this with me. Say, Lord, give me a repeat performance. Oh, some of y'all missed that already. It said, I've seen you move, move the mountains, and I believe that I'll see you do it again. We're talking about the God who's able to split the Red Sea, the God who's able to take Abraham and Sarah, who's passed the age of being able to have children and say, I'm going to give you a child of your own body. Say it with me again, Lord, give me a repeat performance. If you believe God can do it, give him a praise in this place today. We serve a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. Let's prepare to give, and then we're going to get into the message today. Um, if you came prepared to give, we want to speak over it right now. If you use an envelope, get that in your hand. If you give by internet, grab your phone or whatever. Purse, put your hand on it. We're going to speak the promises of God over our seed, trusting that it will accomplish uh, its assignment to bring in the harvest that God has commanded it to. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, your love, your kindness. We thank you for the opportunity to sow and to give and obey in the area of the tithe, trusting you to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that there won't even be room enough to take it in. We thank you for keeping us in our season, not allowing us to bear fruit before it's time. Thank you for keeping us in perfect timing and rebuking the devourer and the enemy for our sake because we've trusted you and obeyed you in the tent that you've commanded us to. And we trust that we walk under an open heaven. We walk in the overflow of your blessings and let everyone that agrees with that shout amen. Shout amen. Shout amen. You can be seated. Let's give the Lord one hand clap of praise before we get into this. Uh, to, we could do better than that. If it was for me, it would be all right. But we're talking about Jesus in this place today. Uh, before we get into uh, the word of God, I just want to encourage you um, as we continue to uh, grow as a church, there's several areas that we could use your assistance and your help in. Um, certainly, uh, we could use some help in our kids' area going forward. We're not asking you to serve every Sunday, but if you could give us uh, a Sunday of the month there in our hospitality areas on our setup team, uh, we could really use you just linking arms and joining us together uh, to help uh, in those areas and knowing that it will make um, an eternal difference. Everything you see that gets set up and done uh, in here actually um, gets done by many times people you don't even know who's doing it, but they're faithful. Um, and they're serving and they're helping us, so we could use your help um, in different areas. If you have any questions about areas you'd like to serve or maybe can help in, uh, please see uh, Joy, and she can point you to uh, different department heads in those areas that could use uh, your help. We really use it, and we greatly appreciate it. Y'all ready to get into the Word of God today? Yes. I'm excited about the message today, um, and I was thinking as we, we got into this, I was praying through uh, the message, and the Lord began to deal with me in prayer. He said, we cannot come together uh, as a people and be content only to talk about the word and not be transformed by it. Um, we can't be content to come together um, as the body of Christ and simply be content to be impressed but not be inspired by what God is saying. Uh, so many times we want to be comfortable and God is calling us to be more committed uh, to him. And I think when we get a reminder and a remembrance of who he is uh, in our life and what he's done in our life, we'll be fired up to do everything that God uh, calls us to do. But the, the thing that stands uh, in our way many times is simply our idea and perception of our own identity and our own purpose. Many times when God begins to deal with us in our life, we begin 
uh, to look at ourselves. We begin to look at our circumstances and situations and say, well, I don't know if God could ever use me. I don't know if you've ever been there where you looked at your mistakes and you looked at your past and you looked at your present condition and said, I don't know if the Lord can use me. Am I in here by myself today where you, you, you question whether God had called you to anything or whether you even had any purpose in your existence? I want to remind you here today that God still has a purpose for you. Uh, he still has a plan for your life. As long as you have breath in your body, uh, God has a purpose for you and you've got to believe it and you've got to be convinced of it no matter what the pressures are in your life, no matter what uh, you're going through. Um, I know some of you don't go to the movies or watch the movies, but I think that all of us like a good underdog story. Um, it just seems to sell really well when you talk about the movies. Um, we love to see the person who has been counted out or the person who's been given up on or the person who is about to quit all of a sudden make a comeback and get a win that nobody thought was ever possible. Um, and when I thought about that, I said, God is really a God that's for the underdog. God is for the person who everybody else perceives and has counted out for the one who looks at, uh, we look at and we say it's impossible for God uh, to move through them. God tends to use the people that we would vote least likely to succeed. I know that's any, nobody in here would ever point at somebody and judge them and say they'll never amount to anything, but this world will teach you through what you're going through and what you're dealing with that your situation is too bad that God can't use you where you are, but I wanna remind you that God was never dependent on your abilities to use you. All he wanted, he doesn't want our perfection, he doesn't want our abilities, what he wants is our availability. Can we say amen? When we are available to God, when we say here I am, imperfect, messed up, sometimes don't get it all right, but God just take me as I am, fix me and use me for your purpose and for your plan. He can do miracles in our life. So I wanna to talk to you today from this simple thought an underdog, but an overcomer. Say this with me. I am an underdog, but I'm an overcomer. See, some people in your life, they walked away too soon because they thought you weren't going to rise above what you're dealing with right now. Be careful of judging somebody by their pit, not realizing the palace that God wants to take them to. Sometimes we often look at people and we say they're going through this test right now and we want to make our own assessments about why they're going through what they're going through. God was never hung up on your prison because he knows that at just simply his word, he can bring you out of the bondage that you're in right now. At his word, he can bring you out of the discouragement and the distress that you're going through right now. And all he's looking for is a vessel that will believe him and a, a vessel that will trust him. He never said, I'm coming to you and I'm demanding your perfection. What I want you to do is stop looking at yourself. Stop looking in the mirror and begin to look up at me and trust my power and my plan and my purpose to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish in your life. And so we find a man in the scriptures in the book of Judges uh, called Gideon, um, and his name actually means a feller. Um, and somebody said, well, what's a feller? Are you talking about a fellow? No, a feller. It actually means somebody who's able to take somebody down. Now think about that for a minute, because as we get into this, you're going to find that even though the name Gideon is on his life. He doesn't believe even his own name. 
See, we can have an identity that God has given us, but we don't even believe that we, we are capable of the name that God has given us. Now, when society gives us a name and when culture gives us a name and when our situations and our tests give us a name, we're careful and quick to believe that. When the doctor tells us it's going to turn out like this, we'll believe that. But when God shows up in your life and says, no, you're an overcomer, you're more than a conqueror, you're going to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish through you in your life, it's a little more difficult for us to believe that. Because we're not looking at his power, but we're looking at our own seeming insignificance. But I want us to leave today with bold faith, believing that even though I may be down to nothing, God is up to something. You got to believe that because you'll look at yourself and you'll look at your resources and say, I have no idea how God is going to work through my life. I have no idea. I've made this mistake over and over. You ever, you, I know some of y'all are perfect, but is there one person who's made the same mistake repeatedly? I want to talk to some people who made the same mistake over and over again. I know there's every now and then most people like, I made that mistake once, I won't make it again. But there's some real folk who say, no, I messed this up more than once. Some real folk, no, I said something stupid more than once. I, I, I got it wrong more than once. I forgot to forgive more than once. God wants to use you and you can have a new beginning today. Tell somebody I may not be able to start over, but with God, I can start where I am. See, some of us get hung up on our history and we don't realize that God has a destiny that's bigger than our history. And so we go to the book of Judges chapter 6 and we find, we pick up this story um, and you'll find this is actually a theme through the book of Judges. It says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Malachites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. And it says that they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible for them to count them or their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian was so, so impoverished, the Israelites, that they cried out to the Lord for help. And here's what we need to understand. And it's a theme through the book of Judges. And we got to deal with this before we deal with the promise. And the theme is this. Disobedience always leads us into bondage. Disobedience is the path into bondage. And this happens through the book of Judges. We find that God raises them up and he saves them and he sets them free. And then you find this phrase in the book of Judges, but then the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. And we could sit there and we take that and we say, well, what did they do? They, they, did they get involved in this or did they get involved in that? And when you dig deeper into the book of Judges, you find that the reason that God was so upset with his people is because it, they went into the, the, the same sin and it was a sin of idolatry. It was a sin of putting something, watch this, in front of him. It wasn't that he was so hung up on their habits or their mistakes or their addictions, which we need to fix and get free from. But the bigger issue was that they had made a God out of something that wasn't God. And they did this over and over again. You know how it is when God gives us relief from something, then we have a tendency to think, all right, I'm all right. I can go back into the same mess that I just left out of. 
But sometimes you got to get sick and tired and say, you know what? I'm tired of living in this pit and I'm coming out of this. The enemy's not doing this to me again. And seemingly the children of Israel couldn't do that. They would go back into the same thing. And it wasn't even that they would worship a different God. They would worship the same God over and over again. And you'll find that that God was the God of prosperity, strangely enough, the God of materialism, the God of, of fertility or sexual issues. And so it was a constant struggle with the people of God going back into the foolishness that would keep them bound and keep them from the promises of God. Is there anybody in this church today that's listening to me today that you've been through some of these things and would say, you know what, I messed up in my life and it's kept me from the best that God has for me. But today I'm going to allow God to write a new chapter in my life. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm not looking back there anymore. I know I messed up. I know I failed, but I'm ready to walk in everything that God has for me. So here's the principle. Rebellion causes us, and this is what happened um, with the children of Israel. Rebellion causes us to attempt to abide under our own protection instead of God's. When we read that first verse, we found that they said that they had hidden in the caves and in the clefts and in the mountains. In other words, they lost the protection of God, so they, they, they decided to create and build their own protections in their life. And watch this. They spent all of this time building protection for themselves that didn't work. Think about that. They're tiring themselves out, and they're, 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 they're hiding, and everything that they're afraid of is still happening to them. They're still losing their crops. They're still planting and having their harvest stolen. Y'all are not with me. You don't understand this. Have you ever tried to create your own help that didn't work? Have you ever tried to create your own protection and you, you built the wall around yourself? You built protection around yourself and you still dealt with you. See, I tell people, you can run as long as you want, but as far as you run, once you get there, you, you will still be there. And this is what the children of Israel didn't realize. They could have gone into the mountains. They could have gone into the cliffs. They could have gone into the caves. But until they dealt with what was going on on the inside, nothing was going to change. No matter how bad, here's the encouragement, no matter how bad our situation is, it's never beyond the reach and the power of prayer. And God was not looking for us to even fix our own situation. What he was looking for us to do is say, you know what? I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to lift my hands to God and say, God, whatever you need to do, watch this. And this is a heart prayer. Whatever you need to do to work in my life, to get me to the place that you have for me, I'm willing to do it. Say this with me. Total surrender. That's what it takes. Half-hearted worship, half-hearted praise, half-hearted surrender will never get the total blessing of God. And so this is a message where we have to understand God is ready, willing, and able to move on our lives. But until we say, God, all of it's yours. Because all of us have that thing. All of us have a place. All of us have a thing. God, you can have everything but that. It's quiet in here. But be honest. You know, everybody, everybody you know, can't see past your hallelujah or your thank you, Jesus, and realize that every, every one of us has that little compartment in our life that left unchecked by the Holy Spirit will say, God, you can't have that. And God is so much God and he loves us so much that he'll almost smoke you out till you give up that one thing that you're unwilling to give up. Don't be fooled into thinking that God is like man and he doesn't see and he doesn't know. There's not anything that's hidden from his sight. 
There's nothing in our hearts. There's nothing in our minds that he don't know. There's no motive that he doesn't understand. He says, until you give me those motives, until, me, until you're willing to give up your dream and take my vision for your life, you'll stay right where you are. But here's the thing. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Don't worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Hear me. Our deliverance in our life always begins with a word from the Lord. If we want to come out of what we've been in, if we want to pursue everything that God has for us, if we want the promises of God over our lives, it will begin with the word of the Lord. And this is where we mess up many times because we're praying so hard for God to do things. We're, we're on our knees seeking God to do things and we don't realize that the very first thing he does is not bring us an answer but bring us an instruction. And we miss it and we stay where we are because God told us to do something. And what he told us to do in 2015, we still haven't done yet. And so we're sitting there and say, God, move. I need you to move in my life. He said, I moved four years ago, but you're waiting for me to tell you something new. And you haven't moved on what I told you already. But our deliverance always begins with a word from the Lord. He's going to send somebody into your life. He's going to open the word of God to you where the words jump off the pages. He's going to send someone who's been praying and seeking the face of God with your answer. But the question is, will we humble ourselves and receive what God is saying to us? God's mercy and his grace shows us where we've gone wrong so that we can get back on the right path. And this is where I have to park a little bit because what happens when God points something out to us many times is we get discouraged and we feel defeated because we feel like he's poking and saying, you, you ever met somebody and all they do at the wrong time and they point out what's wrong with you? Nobody? Y'all got good friends who always tell you what's right with you. But there's some times where God will send somebody and say, no, this is an issue in your life that you need to work on. And you got to be careful because they're not picking on you. What God is saying is I need to uproot something in your life so I can give you my best. Because if I don't uproot it, what you're keeping and what you're holding on to will destroy what I'm trying to bring in your life. Relationships get ruined because folk keep stuff. Watch this. They keep stuff in their life that's blocking the blessing of God on their life. And so the angel of the Lord came and he sat down under the oak in Orpah that belonged to Joash of the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midians. When the angel of the Lord appeared to him, now watch this, and this is where I want you to find some encouragement. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I just told you they were losing all their harvest. Everything they were trying to do wasn't working. They were ready to quit. They were hiding from their enemies. And God shows up, watch this, in the mess and says, you're a mighty warrior. I'm with you. You ever felt like God showed up and he talked to you, but what he said didn't make any sense? Based on what you're going through, like God, you, you, you showed up and you're like, uh, you, you showed me your way maker and miracle worker and promise keeper light in the darkness, but all I see is mess. 
And all I feel is struggle and sickness. But God, I'm supposed to believe you're a way maker. I'm supposed to believe I'm coming out of this and I've been stuck in this for a long time. How many of you ever had a long bondage? I'm not talking about a short one. I'm talking about a long one. Not, not, see, what we call tests is somebody criticizing us. But I'm talking about things that have gone on for months and gone on for years. And we never even knew how we were going to see a way out. And God whispers to you and says, I'm still here with you. Here's what he wanted to teach us. And here's what he, he, he teaches us throughout the scripture. It's not so much where you are that blesses you, but who's with you where you are. That's why Joseph could be blessed in a pit, a prison, and a palace. It says because the Lord was with him. Didn't matter where he was, it mattered who was there with him. And some of you need to understand as much as you want to get free from that job and you want to get free from them folk that are always talking about you and criticize you, you got to be reminded that even in the midst of your struggle, God is there. Like Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, the ever-present help in the time of trouble. That means in trouble, he's still a present help, but we got to ask him, open our eyes, Lord, so I can see you in this. I don't know if you've ever been there where what you were dealing with and what you were struggling with and what you were going through was so hard, you didn't even know God was anywhere near it. God, I've done everything that your word says to do. Even though we really haven't, that's what we tell him. (laughs) Y'all been there where you told him, God, I did everything. I kept all your commands, God. I'm the best thing besides Jesus. Some of y'all don't say it with words, but you, you, you know. But I'm still going through. I still feel sickness in my body, struggling with lack. I, I have a seemingly impossible situation. God, I did what you told me to do. Why am I here? Watch this. When God wants to use us, he always reminds us of our God-given identity and of his presence. What I find interesting about this text is the fact that God... You'll find, I just need to take this off. God um, will, he will not sometimes answer our complaints. We will complain to him in the midst of something. You ever talk to somebody and you were complaining and then they act like they didn't even hear you? And you got frustrated because they refused to speak to your complaints. It's almost like, we, let me skip over what you're complaining about and just remind you of what God promised you. Yeah, I just came back from the doctor and they, they said this about me and they said this about my situation. And you're waiting for somebody to sympathize with you and I, and I understand that. But then you have that person with faith that says, you know what, but God is a healer. And even though that's what you need to hear, that's not what you want to hear because you want somebody to put their arm around you and say, yeah, it's really bad. Look, if it's bad, we both need, don't need to be talking about how bad it is. Somebody got to have some faith and say, oh, we're coming up out of this. Like, like I, if you don't have uh, strength to believe, look, look here's, here's how I look at it. Sometimes people are in bondage and you got to take their hand and tell them you're coming out. And when they ask you, how do you know I'm coming out? You got to tell them because I got your hand and God is bringing me out. And if I'm coming out, you coming with me. That's the kind of family we got to be. Look, I refuse to, to be free while you're still in bondage. We got to come out of this. The same Jesus that can save me and set me free, you got to come do. No, you, you're too close to me to stay in that prison, so I'm going to get on your nerves until you want to come out. Now, here's the thing. Some of us are living in an open prison. God has already made the way, but we're living in an open prison. And so Midian, uh, Gideon responds, pardon me, Lord. He's so polite. Pardon me, Lord. 
getting replied. But if the Lord is with us, and this is what we say, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? So Gideon, you missed all of verses one through six that where God told you why it happened to you. And he says, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they say, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You've been there, right? Lord, why is all this happening to me? The harder I try, the worse it gets. One step forward, two steps. You ever said that? One step forward, two steps back. I don't even know why I try. The more I try to pay, it seems like the more tests I go through. The enemy is and for will ever be a liar. And you need to understand that. Because when you start moving forward in the things of God, he is going to lie to you. He's going to remind you of everything that you are not. He's never coming to you telling you what God said about you, but he's going to remind you of what you're not. And all he's going to do is drop the seed. He's not going to talk about you repeatedly. What he's going to do is remind you of what you're not and then get you to talk about yourself. See, the devil is busy, but he's not as busy as some of us trying to make him. Y'all missed that already. You know, the devil is so busy. No, he just said one word and got you to repeat it over and over again. Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. God is gone. Where's God? Gideon said, he gone. (laughs) When God speaks to us about his purpose, we often talk to him about ourselves. We we find this theme in the scripture. Moses did it. Abraham did it. Sarah did it. Gideon did it. He comes and he gives us his vision for our life and we rehearse to him every reason why we can't do it. Watch this. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. If you're taking notes, underline this phrase here. Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not with you? Go in the strength that you have. Be honest and wave your hand if you've ever felt weak and tired and felt like you couldn't go on anymore. I can't deal with this one more day. I can't deal with this struggle one more day. If I get one more text, if I get one more phone call, I'm through, I'm done, I'm finished. And God shows up in the midst of that and he says, go my son, my daughter, in the strength you have. We may not have everything we think we need, but we are called to use everything we have. And this is the mistake that we make. We, we sit there and we're frustrated and dissatisfied with God because he hasn't given us what we've been begging him for and trusting him for and believing him for. And he's saying, I want you to use what you got. I want you to go as hard as you can in the strength that you have, that little bit of strength. You know, you know how did, you, ever, you ever had somebody, you've been through so much, and you look at somebody, you got one more time. I'm talking to a real saved church today, man. But every now and then when you're not feeling that Jesus and that Holy Spirit and somebody tries, you're like, look, I'm tired. You got one more again. <clears throat> you got one more time. And I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And really, it's not a piece because by the time you get finished, there won't be much left. You're going to give them one of them real good tell-offs. 
you know, one of them ones you got to repent for later. Lord, you know, I didn't really mean to say it like that. We're called to use everything that we have. So my question to you and my challenge to you is in the midst of your own prayer life, are you using everything you already have? In the midst of what you're asking God for, are you using the strength that you have? Our power is not in our opinion of ourselves, but in the power of the one who sent us. It's in the power of the one who sent us. And this is what we have to understand. Look, look, my destiny is not tied to my own power. This is why many of us are discouraged and defeated because we can see, we can smell, we can almost taste the promise of God. But we get discouraged because we're counting on our own ability to bring it to pass. Some of us will never step out on faith, never pray, never get involved, never get our hands dirty because we're afraid of our own inability to bring it to pass. And God is saying, all I need you to do is just take one step. And I got you. You know, it's not it's bad, but it's not as bad as you think. You, you know, you can take just one step out of this dangerous situation that you find yourself in right now. You ever been in a pit? I know y'all got faith, but you ever felt defeated? You, you, you know, and you can't walk around and tell people you felt defeated because then they think you're not saved. But what if we just took the cover off and say, you know what? I'm in a weak moment. And I feel defeated. And then you have one of those saved friends that say, I know what you feel, but just because you feel it doesn't mean that what you are. See, my identity is not tied to what I feel. It's tied to who he said I am. And I always got to remember in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the test, I got to be reminded not of what I feel. Listen, I don't need somebody else to tell me what I feel. I know what I feel. But I need you to remind me of who God called me to be. The problem with some of us is we got too many friends that keep us in the pit. And you need some friends that say, it's time to get up. You've been there too long. It's time, time to get up. You've been circling this mountain too long. It's time to get up. And so get in again. Watch this. Pardon me, Lord. He's still polite. Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? And this is where I got excited studying it all. It's a Gideon reply, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I'm the least in my family. Think about what he's saying. Gideon's saying, how can I do this? I'm the least of the weakest. So he's not even the weakest. He's the most, by his own standard, he's the most insignificant one in the weakest clan. And watch what the Lord says. The Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will. He doesn't say you might. He says, you will strike down. Remember what his name is, bring, bring down. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving nothing alive. So God is saying, not only am I going to give you victory, but I'm going to give you total victory. See, we've forgotten that God is not a God who does things partially. If we trust him, he's going to bring full victory, full deliverance, full provision into our lives. What do, we, what do we need God to help us break free from? It's not partial freedom. If you want to be free, God can help you be totally free. But sometimes we got to go and strike down those things that he's telling us to strike down. He doesn't even, watch it. he does not even respond to Gideon's excuse. He doesn't even speak to, well, I'm the weakest. And, 
And God doesn't say, no, you're the strong. He doesn't even respond to it. He goes right past and says, it doesn't matter who you think you are, I'm with you. And sometimes you need to be reminded because as soon as you walk off this campus, the enemy's going to be talking to you, talking about how insignificant you are, how weak you are, how you can't do anything. And you need to be reminded, God is with you. And you leave nothing alive. We must never confuse our status with our significance. We must never confuse our status with our significance. And this is the problem. People have gotten hooked on stuff that reminds them of their perceived status in other people's eyes. How can you prove it? Because that's why you call your friends and get upset with them because they didn't like a picture soon enough on your Facebook. I know that's none of y'all in here. Y'all calling. Hey, did you see that thing I just posted? How come you didn't like it yet? Because you think status is significance. That's why you get upset when your car doesn't look like everybody else's car. Because you're not concerned about significance. You think status is what's important. But man, if that thing got a tire that's almost messed up and it's on its last leg, got 500,000 miles on it, it doesn't matter if God is with you. We get hooked up on the wrong things. And, and, and as we go on, you're going to find that the children of Israel, as I said earlier, they were so focused on indulging in their own fleshly desires and their own material possessions, they couldn't hear God. Never focus on your perception more than you focus on his presence. And here's where, you ever heard that saying, perception is reality? And so what you perceive something to be is what you receive it to be. It's a reality. So if that's true, we've got to change our perception because we focus on how we perceive something. How can I, I improve this to you? I can say something to you that I didn't even mean a certain way, but if you perceive it a certain way, that's the way you receive it no matter what. I can tell you something out of love, and if you perceive that I was beating you up, you'll leave. Ah, you just beat me up. All the preachers do is just judge me. Just judge. Well, I didn't judge you. That's just what the word, you know. Anyway, Gideon replied, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering, different message, and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait until you return. What I got out of this was this. God is always willing to give us confirmation of his call at the level that we need it. See, when, when Gideon says to him, is it really you talking to me? This is not actually a question of faith. It's a question of fear. It's clear. He said, pardon me, Lord, twice. He knows who's talking to him, but now he's afraid to walk in what God has told him to do. So he says, if it's really you, you ever, you ever had that kind of, you know, I know God is moving in line, but if it's really you, then uh, have such and such knock on my door at 2.15 and say, funny how, it's funny how we only do that with stuff we don't want to do. I think it's kind of, you ever had somebody say, hey, um, we need to do this or such and such. You'd be like, man, let me pray about it. We, but we, we never have to pray about stuff we actually want to do. <laughs> but when God calls us to something, he said, now nah, it's time for you to go overcome in this area. Well, let me pray and just see what the Lord says. Or God whispers to you, hey, it's time. Hey, I know what they did, but you need to go and forgive them. And you're like, okay, let me go to prayer and just trust God to I mean, you've been praying about that for 15 years. 
funny, man. God is often more patient with us than we are with him. You can read the scriptures too fast. His response to Gideon is, go on and do what you need to do, and I'll wait for you till you come back. Aren't you glad that God is willing to wait for you? In the midst of even our own imperfections, we serve a God who's willing to wait for us. Now, here's the problem with that. God gives us an instruction, and so what he's going to do in our life, don't miss this, he's going to do on his terms, not yours. And so this presents us with both something, a reason to celebrate, but it also presents a problem to us because there's in the back of our minds, we always believe that God is going to do it our way if we just wait him out long enough. But God is so patient. He's like, I love you so much, but I got, I got to move according to my word. So when I give you an instruction, when I say this is the way we want to do things in your life, I'll wait 20 years, I'll wait 25 years, I'll wait 30 years, and when you decide you want to be obedient and surrender to my plan, we'll move. If God blesses you on your terms, you'll mess it up. You ever got something too soon? Let me ask you this way. You ever got into something too soon? (laughs) You ever prayed for something and when you got it, you didn't want it anymore? You ever prayed for somebody and then when you got them, you didn't want (laughs) it? All right. But God says, you know what? Sometimes we just have to, the hard prayers to say, God, keep me in your perfect timing. Your perfect season. And he says, you know, if we do that, God says, you know what? When you ask me, I'm willing to wait for you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it yesterday, he'll do it today. If he restored yesterday, he'll do it today. If he healed yesterday, he'll do it today. If, he, if, he, if he'll set you free yesterday, he'll do it again today. I love that song, Do It Again. Because God is not one who just do something once. And I thank God for that because we mess up more than once. We miss it more than once. And sometimes we miss it with good intentions. You ever had good intentions, but you did the wrong thing? You have a good intention, but you said it the wrong way? And God in his mercy, it's funny that, that we want the mercy of God when we do it wrong, but we have a problem extending the mercy when somebody else does it wrong. Different message. Gideon went inside and prepared a young goat. And from the from an ephah of the flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in the basket and its broth in the pot. And he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread. So he's telling him what to do with the sacrifice. Place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. When you offer something to God, you got to offer it his way, not yours. Um, and then he says, then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. If we want to touch from God, we got to be obedient to God. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, now all this time they're having a conversation, and he, he's finally at the point where he has to acknowledge, this is God who's talking to me. And he exclaimed, at last, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace. How many of you need God to speak peace in the midst of what you're dealing with? Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and there he called it, the Lord is peace. To this day it stands in Orpah and the Asbert. You know how I told you last week you skip over words that you can't pronounce? Y'all still pray for me. 
It's that word right there. Um, there's no such thing as significance without sacrifice. God gave him instructions, but he doesn't move him on the instructions until he makes a sacrifice. Pastor, what's a sacrifice? That means in order to walk in the purpose that God has for you, something has to die. And the question is, it's different for everybody because God knows what needs to die in our life so that he can get the glory. The last thing you want is to be moving in the promise of God and something is alive in you that should have been dead years ago. That's why he always brings us to a place of sacrifice. He does that with Abraham. He gives him the promise, Isaac, and he says, go and sacrifice him. Now, he doesn't actually have to kill him, but he has, God has to know that Abraham will do whatever God said with what he gave him. And some of us, the problem is, is that we make promises to God and we offer him stuff and then we withdraw that promise when we have relief. I know y'all have never done that. I'm just talking to people maybe at the other church down the road. You know, you know how it is. God, if you get me out of this, I promise you that I'll give this to you and I'll never do this again and this and this and this and this. And, this, and, this. and then when you see that there's relief, and God, you know my heart. God says, I know your heart, but I know what you promised too. The same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd and one seven years old, tear down your father's altar. Man, I should have preached this by itself. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Ahasuerah pole beside it and then build the proper kind of altar. When God is getting ready to move in your life, there's some stuff that's got to be torn down. Then build the proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole. Now, so take what was done wrong. Watch this. Don't miss this. God can use your mistakes. Say, tear it down. But I want you to use what you torn down. Don't throw it away. I want you to use it and build something right. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took his ten servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family. Some people, you, you can't move because you're afraid of what your family says. Afraid of what your friends will say. Afraid of what Pookie and them will say. Junebug will say. Don't worry about Junebug and Pookie. Worry about what God said. He did it at night rather than in the daytime. Sometimes you, got, you can't tell everybody what you're doing. You just got to do it. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished. And the Ahasuerah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed to the newly built altar. So what was, it, you see repeatedly, Baal, Ahasuerah, Baal, Ahasuerah, all through this story of Gideon. Baal was the male Canaanite god of fertility and prosperity. I want you to think about that for a minute. God is not against prosperity. He's not against prospering, but he doesn't want us worshiping prosper, prosperity. And some of us don't even realize that that, that the idol that we've set up in our life is not something with a red suit and a tail and horns. Some of our idol got George Washington on it. Some of our idol is on our computer that we can't stop clicking. On our phone, you know how you put your phone face down so people can't see what you're searching. I don't, maybe, not, maybe I don't need to visit your house too much. But what we worship is keeping us from what God's best for our life is. And I'm not saying many of us have not been somewhere, but we got to stop going where we've been so we can go where God takes us. 
There comes a point where God says, okay, it's time for you to put this town. It's time for you to burn down this altar of idolatry that you have up so you can have everything that I have for you. Sometimes we got to say, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm just saying, yes, Lord, I, 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 whatever you tell me to tear down, whatever you tell me to throw away, whatever you tell me to get rid of, I'll get rid of it so I can walk in your best for my life. Ahazra, the female Canaanite god of fertility and prosperity. So this is important because they're actually worshiping this union of false gods that all they worship is stuff and things. You say, well, I don't worship stuff because I don't have any. But the reality is, is you don't have to have anything to worship stuff. You can still love it and not have it. I can prove it to you. How do you respond to people who do have it? How do you respond when you don't get what you want? We can't allow fear to keep us from obedience. So here's the point. We can make excuses or we can make changes. The story of Gideon is special to me because it's the story of someone who's facing a situation where the chips are down and it seems hopeless. Have you ever felt like that? Well, what I'm dealing with is hopeless. And, and it reminded me of a story that I love to read and tell. There's a story from 1888 uh, where, as the story goes, Paul, somebody by the name of Paul Morphy, he goes, he's down on his luck and things are not going well in his life. It seems like all is lost and he's hopeless. And so he goes to the museum and there's a museum guide there. Um, and the museum guide is walking them around and they stop on this picture called the Moritz Retchi portrait called Checkmate. And it's an interesting picture because it's a picture of a chessboard. And on the chessboard is entitled Checkmate. And the opponent is obviously defeated. And so Paul is looking at this portrait. He's looking at it and he's spending hours staring at it. And finally, after spending hours staring at it, he looks to his attendant, and his attendant, he says, you know what? I think that if we recreate the situation on the checkboard, chessboard, I think I could improve his situation. I think I could win it. And so the attendant looks back to him, and he says, there's no way that anybody could win this game. He's got him in checkmate. There's no other move that can be made in order for him to win. And so he tells him to set up the pieces like it is on this portrait. And he looks at it. And he says, here's the reason that this situation is hopeless. He looks to the king, and he says that the king has one more move. Some of y'all missed that. The reality is, is that the situation that you're dealing with in your life is not as hopeless as you think it is. The sickness is not as hopeless as you think it is. The lack is not as hopeless as you think it is because the king has one more move in your life. And you got to understand that no matter what you're dealing with and what you're going through. Say this with me. Say, my king has one more move. Can we stand and pray and begin to worship the Lord? I don't know if you're here right now and feel like this has kind of been my situation. I'm in a hopeless situation right now trying to figure out. I don't have answers. I don't know what God is going to do. And I just need to be reminded that like Gideon, in my pit, in my hiding, in my struggle, 
God still has something else that he wants to do in my life. If that's you, lift your hand up right now. We want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I just want to know, honestly, there's stuff that, that I can't fix. There's stuff that I can't work out. But God, I want you to work in my life. As we pray and begin to worship in this last song, Cornerstone, I want you to be reminded that your situation is not hopeless, that God is ready to move in your life. Like Gideon, if you're willing to pray, well, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. Let me tell you what a good prayer sometimes is. Lord, help. Two words, help. Just help me, God. He can move. And as you sing this song, I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. And I want you to worship with all you have. I want you to be reminded that God is your cornerstone. Christ is your cornerstone. He's unchanging. He's unmoving. The same way he felt about you yesterday is the same way he feels about you right now. But you don't know what I did last night, Pastor. Well, God does and he still loves you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did. It matters who he is. So, Father, I pray for those who are here right now who are facing seemingly impossible situations, decisions that they don't know how to fix or make. And I pray that you cover them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. Remind them of who you are. Let their encounters with the word, their encounters with worship, their encounters with church and with other believers, remind them of who they are. Lord, become bigger in their life than the failures, their mistakes, their struggles. Lord, we pray for everyone right now who is literally given up. Like they wave their hands, they, they say praise and thank you, Jesus, but inside they've given up. Lord, heal the sick heart, heal the wounded mind, heal the sick body this day in the name of Jesus. And as we worship you, as we praise you, Lord, let the anointing of the Holy Spirit fill this place. I pray over this worship team now as they get ready to do this last song, that they would sing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that an impartation would take place in the lives of your people that changes their life forever. We thank you for the victory. We thank you that we're going to get everything you promised for us. We thank you that we're going to walk out the destiny that you have for us. I thank you that every provision is already made. I pray that even before people walk off this campus, off this parking lot, that you begin to answer prayer and show yourself mighty in their lives. Let us rise up with faith and boldness, trusting you to do the impossible in our lives. In Jesus' name.